We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Jared, thank you for reading out of Mark uh, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 20. Uh, it won't take that long in each of those verses, but it is a very important story in the life of Jesus' miracles. You remember the first part of, John, of Mark? We have seen Jesus' parables. He has taught through simple stories, spiritual truths. And now we're going to see Jesus' miracles that prove the authenticity of his word. The miracles were not to save you. It was not to save me. It's a miracle to be saved, but the miracles were to point us to belief in Jesus Christ. People that would just follow him for the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000, will you heal my daughter, will you heal my son, they just wanted things from Jesus, but they didn't want Jesus. Two men dying on the cross next to Jesus. They both wanted salvation. Did you know that? Both of them were reviling, cursing Jesus in the beginning. But one of them, something changes in one of the men's hearts. And he says, don't you know that we're getting what we deserve to the other man on the other side of Jesus? The other man said, if you're the son of God, doesn't sound like much belief, does it? Come down from the cross and get us down too. He wanted salvation from the nails. He wanted salvation from pain and suffering. The other one didn't ask for that, did he? He just said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He wanted salvation from his sins and not just his circumstances. And we're a lot like that in the world today. Many follow Jesus until about John chapter 6 in that gospel. And it says, then many walk no more with him. Because they found out that he was going to demand a life change. Guys, this story here tonight is very, very important. You don't hear too much preaching on what we're going to look at tonight in churches. We don't talk about it very much. We should as often as the Bible talks about it. And uh, let's look at these verses together. They came to the other side of the sea. Seems like in the Gospels they're going back and forth, aren't they? We're going to the other side of the sea. Let's go to the other side. Now let's go back to the other side. Remember on the eastern side is the Decapolis. That is 10 different cities and they were mainly Gentile cities. On the, on the western side, you had Tiberias. You had other of uh, the northern side. You had Capernaum. That's the city where Jesus and his disciples spent most of the thousand days of his earthly ministry. Peter lived there. And so it says they went to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. Now, your, your Bible might have Gadarenes there, same people, Gadarenes, Gerasenes. It is a town of Gersa, they believe. It's on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as I said, it's, it's mainly made up of Gentiles, not Jewish people. When he got out of the boat, immediately, if you're counting, I told you in the book of Mark, you're going to find 40-something different times he used the word immediately because Mark is like a little child telling the story. And then, and then, and then. So this is number 19. Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. The tombs. Well, when we think of tombs, we think of burial places. And literally in Israel, uh, a lot of things are um, buried, a lot of people are buried above ground. They have what's called ossuaries. Bones are placed in cement boxes. They decay, and all that's left in there are bones. Uh, but they also have many graves that are 
dug out of the side of a hill, dug out in rock. And they are like caves, what we would call here today, cave-like rooms. If you've ever been to Carlsbad Caverns, you know, that's, of course, big caves down in the ground. These were like caves that were dug into the side of a mountain. If you go to Israel right now, and what they have is the picture. We had a slide up, I believe, here a moment ago about a trip to Israel. And they had the garden tomb. And you go to a place that they just unearthed in 19, the 1980s. If I'm not mistaken, it was just the 1980s. That is a grave dug out in the side of a hill. And many believe that's where our Lord was, was laid, the grave of Joseph of Arimathea. But this is different. If you remember your Old Testament, uh, even the New Testament, if someone had leprosy, you didn't get well of leprosy unless God did a miracle. And so it was highly contagious. If you had leprosy, you were commanded to live outside the towns in these tight tombs, these caves. If someone were to come close, you were told to yell as loud as you could, unclean, unclean, because it was very, very contagious and you wouldn't want someone to come close to you. Can you imagine what that lifestyle was like? We're having frustration, stress, panic attacks, uh, anxiety and depression right now because we are not able to hug one another. We're not able to be in groups like we've always been. Families right now, people are dying with no family member in the hospital. If you've lost something to pray for, pray for that. Every week, I did a funeral last Friday and the wife had to say goodbye to her husband on the phone. So it's a very serious thing. In these days, it was highly highly separated because of the circumstances. This man's not because he has leprosy, but it's because he has an unclean spirit. Some uh, people, theologians, talk about why do you think there was such demonic activity during this time of history? Well, two things. There is, this, there is a demonic activity today. This is real. And that's something we're going to talk about in a moment. This is very, very real what this man was going through. People are going through things like this today. You may not have ever been around it very much, but it is real. It is, uh, it is something that many people are facing. The second thing is, if you were the devil and you knew the Son of God was walking in the flesh on the earth, wouldn't you bring out all the big guns you could? You would try to do everything you could to turn the world away from him. So this is Satan throwing Ah, everything he's allowed to at that season. And I believe that's why that uh, there were many, many that were possessed with unclean spirits. Uh, it's also the fact that the Messiah, when the Messiah, whoever he was, was going to come, he was going to have power that no one ever had power before. He was going to be able to cast out these unclean spirits. So a lot of factors involved there, but that's the time frame that we're living in. Jesus is going to a city and a man comes running out of those caves, out of those tombs, place of death, tombs, with an unclean spirit met him and he had his dwelling among the tombs. This man lived out there and no man, look at this, was able to bind him anymore. When I read that, I, I, I want to write notes out there until in just a few minutes. Nobody was able to bind him, humanly speaking. We are not more powerful than angels. Demons are fallen angels. There's two different groups of them. 
They are the, the fallen angels of Jude. They're already uh, chained up. They are awaiting the judgment and punishment of Almighty God. They will eventually be placed, the Revelation tells us, into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, which hell will be thrown into the lake of fire. We think sometimes unbelievers will just end up in hell. No, they're going to end up in hell, which is thrown into the lake of fire, which is bigger than hell. But it says the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. There were angels created in the beginning. They're innumerable. You cannot count them. They were created at one time, created by God. They were given at a certain period of time an ability to make a choice. Many of them made choice, uh, as Satan did, to rebel against God. And a certain number, number of them turned away from God. All the rest of them are obedient to God. And there's not any, uh, there's not any more. Angels do not have babies, so they're not uh, making more angels right now. Angels are very, very important created beings by God. I'm teaching a class at 8 o'clock every Sunday morning. I'll do it by Zoom and in person on angels. We have such a misconception of angels. We have such bad theology in our country and in our world. And in that, we study, well, what does the Bible say? Uh, I hear all the time, well, so-and-so died, and now heaven gained another angel. I've said to you before, you do not want to go to heaven and be an angel. You want to go to heaven and be a born-again, blood-washed, saved Christian because the angels long for what you and I have. They are just created servants by God to do his pleasure on our behalf. Did you know that? So you don't want to be an angel. Uh, anyway, that's another lesson for another day. The man with an unclean spirit runs out there. He is so powerful because of the possession of this demon. And they are allowed many times, I'm going to use that word a lot here, and we won't be too long tonight, Lord willing. Uh, that'll be a miracle, won't it? All those guys in the back are saying, yeah, that will be. It won't be allowed. Uh, he, he, demons only do what they're allowed to do, but they are allowed sometimes to have supernatural strength. No one could bind him, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. The chains had been torn apart by him. The shackles broken in pieces. And notice, no one was strong enough to subdue him in your notes. Wait a minute. Not for long. NFL. I'll just throw that in there. Uh, constantly, night and day, he was screaming. I've never liked watching scary movies. Some of you do, and that's okay. You know, I'll pray for you. Uh, my mother did. She was the kindest, sweetest human that ever walked the earth. She loves scary movies. And so I'd sit in her lap, and, and I could go as long as I could. And, ah, you know. But scary movies back in the 60s were not quite like they are today. Would you agree? So uh, here, in a lot of movies, there is a screech or a scream. You know, all of the, there's commercials about it, but all of the scary movies now today, you, you want to say, why are you going there? The bad guy's in that room. Don't go there, you know. I'd be running down the street getting away, and these, you know, these people are, are they're going to the very thing we know that the bad guy's in that room where they're about to go, and we, but they scream. There's a screech. Can you imagine a demonic scream that would come out of the tombs, the grave places? outside of the city. It was probably a frightening, fearful scene and something to hear. 
Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones, cutting himself, hurting himself. Now, I want to make something very clear. That's what the devil does. The devil may try to promise someone great things, but the devil has one game plan he has from the beginning, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to hurt, harm. He wants death for everyone. There'll be no profit, nothing good that would ever come of not giving your life to Jesus and following Satan. This man, let me walk through this just a little bit. He's an outcast. He's living like an animal, shrieking loudly, cutting himself. The devil cannot destroy God, so he is intent on hurting God's creation. Uh, We're going to deal with some questions in a moment. What about Christians? Are they different than unbelievers? Can demons do certain things? We'll deal with those. Unclean spirits are called demons, and they're real. They're powerful. They're dangerous. Uh, They are mentioned over 80 times in the New Testament. They are part of the fallen angels. I mentioned to you that some are already chained up, waiting for judgment. Some are with Satan. Uh, There are people that say, well, the devil's sure been bothering me today. Let me remind you again, the devil is not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He can't see everything. And he doesn't know all your thoughts. And he can't be everywhere at one time because he's a created being. So if you've got the devil himself bothering you, you must be something but he's got a lot of demons. He's got a lot of fallen angels that want to try to pressure, persuade. Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? The answer is no. Can a Christian be oppressed by a demon? The answer is yes. And so let's walk a little further. Unclean spirits are called that. Uh, fallen, they, they have influence over some, they possess others, they literally can possess human bodies. Um, a guy in our church was, uh, he went to college, he, came, he told his mom, he, came, he went to the library and checked out a book that said, how to ask Satan into your heart to be, I told him to burn that book, I'll pay the fine if I need to, the library fine, don't even open it. Take your finger while I'm talking a little bit. Turn back to Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 13. If you don't catch anything else tonight, would you please catch this? Don't flirt with the occult. Don't study about it. Well, I need to study about it so I'll know what is right. And No, you don't. You study Jesus. You study God. You study the real, and you'll always know the counterfeit. We do not need to study darkness. We do not need to study sin. We do not need to study the occult. When you do, you open up the door for that kind of persuasion. God told his people in Deuteronomy 18, would you look with me there in verse 10? There shall not be found among you anyone. He said, I don't want any of my people to be involved in this who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. That was very common back then. Satan would even influence people to sacrifice their children. One who uses divination, that is divining, that is trying to tell the future. One who practices witchcraft. I don't care if they make fun of it in movies. I don't care if it's glorified in movies in certain ways. And it is very, very real. There are people given over to that. I went to uh, Kroger down on University one day and there was a great big pickup jacked up and had bills above written all the way around it. 
and had all kind of satanic things in there. I walked into the store and I saw the guy at checking out. There's no doubt he was the driver of that pickup. I'm not worried about that guy. He's letting all the world know about what he believes and what he's embracing and he's involved in. But be careful because Satan wants to deceive you. Get inside the church. His pickup won't have that name on it. It might have Jesus' name on it. It might have the church's name on it. The Bible says that his demons, his servants, want to appear as servants of light. They want to be in pulpits teaching false doctrine. They want to be in churches dividing churches. And remember, the best of churches on the planet can have certain people crept in unaware. And all they want to do is destroy their Satan's crew. So it says, I don't want to see any of it among you. Uh, one who practices divination, who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And you, you say, well, Mark, that's Old Testament. Keep searching. Start reading there and read the rest of your Bible and tell me whether God uh, undid that. Tell me where he changed his mind over that. He never has. He said, for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. There are people that flirt with the dark occult. And you will be sad you did if you ever touch that. Come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, God said. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. Um, now, some people get mixed up and they call alcohol a demon. Alcohol is not a demon. It is a disease. It is a temptation, the emotional part of it, the mental part of it. It is a lust, a desire. It's not a demon. Many people want to, uh, to place the responsibility of our actions, of our family members, our friends, or ourselves, and we want to say it's the devil's fault. And that's not the case. Diseases, afflictions are different than demons and their oppression or their influence. Uh, some people a long time ago used to believe, or some still today, that demons were the souls of de departed people. This is somebody that died and they never had closure in their life. So they're wandering around on the earth and they're trying to get... In other words, it's just like a, a ghost movie. It's not what the Bible says they are. They're not disembodied spirits. Uh, someone that, that died, but they don't have a body anymore, so they're just floating around somewhere. They are not the offspring of an antediluvian or pre-Adamic race. Some people said, oh, this is some people, these are some uh, souls that lived before Adam was created or before the Noah's flood, and it's a different group of people. And, and we've got, you, you know all those zombie movies today that are kind of popular with some people? That's what a lot of people believe that these demons were. They're zombie-like creatures, halfway in life and halfway in death, and all that's hogwash. But it's not hogwash that they are really fallen angels doing Satan's bidding. They will be judged. They know they're going to be judged. They know they've already lost, and they know that they want to harm anywhere God's people are at. In Jude, the next to the last book of your Bible, there's a link also with Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed by God. Two cities destroyed by God for their perverseness is linked to 
the demons and their activity. Please don't have anything to do with it. Stay away from it. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, if you take down notes. Abstain from every form or appearance of evil. Don't even look like it. Don't dress up like it. Don't act like it. Don't, don't do anything with it. James 4. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. If you are a Christian, you do not have to be afraid of Satan or any of his minions because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's not a tug of war. It's not, I've mentioned that so many times, it's not God wins a little while, the devil wins a little while, they go back and forth. No. The devil is a created angel that rebelled against God. He will be punished forever and he can only do what God allows him to do. We'll see that in just a moment. Verse 6, seeing Jesus from a distance, five things this man does. He ran up and bowed down before him, shouting with a loud voice. He said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Number one, he ran up and approached Jesus. Well, if he was a demon, why didn't he run the other direction? This man also is a man. A demon has possessed this man, but this man is a human still. Jesus came to set the captive free. He came to bind the strong man that had captured people. And now he captures the souls of men away from the enemy. I'm going to close tonight with something I've never shared in 42 years of preaching. A real story. Real people that I know very, very well. Here it says, he ran up, that's number one, approached Jesus. Secondly, he bowed down. There's not going to be any bowing up to Jesus in his presence. Satan does not and cannot, regardless of what Hollywood says, Satan cannot uh, stand in the presence of the Son of God and he can't stand in the presence of you and me either if we're walking with Jesus. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. They fell down before Jesus. They shouted with a loud voice. What do we have to do with you, Jesus, Son of God, Most High God? They know who he is. That's why some demons are better church people than other people. Because James said they believe. They believe who Jesus is and they tremble. Because they know Jesus is the boss. Please don't ever think. Good and evil, good and evil. One angel, demon on the other side. No, it's not like that. Demons want to do anything they can at Satan's bidding to harm God's creation, no doubt. And I believe his influence is alive and well in our country and in our world today. But the littlest child that knows Jesus Christ has him in their heart does not have to be afraid of the enemy. Jesus fights off the enemy for us. And you and I teach your children. You don't have to teach them about the bad. Teach them about the good. And the good always will overcome the bad. He ran up to Jesus. He bowed down to him. He shouted. He called Jesus the Most High God. And then he begged Jesus. Begged him to not be punished yet in the final destruction. They know where they're headed. They know they're headed to the lake of fire. And they're saying, if you come to torment us before it's time... It's not time yet, is it, Jesus? Notice what it says in verse 8. 
For he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus can cast out demons anytime he wants to. Uh, In the book of Acts, there was a group of uh, sons of Sceva. They were Jewish men. And there were actually people that had demons inside of them. They took it upon themselves to cast those demons out. Remember that story? And they said, we uh, command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out. You know, it was kind of those name dropping things. The Jesus that Paul preaches, we command you. It's like using Jesus' name as a slot machine or a magic potion or something. Jesus' name is not powerful in magic. Jesus' name is powerful because it's Jesus and it's his power. They said, we command you by the, the, the uh, Jesus that Paul preaches, come out of this man. You remember what the demon said to them? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And they tore those men and they almost killed them because those men were using the name of Jesus, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I have a friend, I'm going to, Lord willing, get to preach in his church here pretty soon, another town, fine young man, fine pastor. He told me one day that he was witnessing out in uh, alleys in the streets and he came up to a man and he knew that there was something dark. I've been in those situations also. I've been on the Mount of Olives when I felt close to Jesus, but also I felt I was in the presence of something very, very dark there. This guy was witnessing and sharing about Jesus and a man looked up to him and he said, what's inside of me does not like what's inside of you. Make your hair stand up on the back of your neck, doesn't it? These battles are real. I won't go into too much detail or too much, uh, uh, just realize this is very, very real and very, very dangerous. The demons had to come to Jesus to ask permission. They know who he is. They don't call him a blasphemer. They don't call him just a a carpenter. They don't say he's just a good man. You want to know about people today and whether somebody's walking right or wrong? Find out what their enemies think about them. Now, I'm not getting political at all. I'm not a political person. I'm, I'm for Jesus. That's the only politics I'm for. He's the boss. But if you want to find out really who you need to vote for, find out who your enemies don't want you to vote for. When your enemies want somebody else, there's a clue. Think about it. Why do they want someone else? Well, it's the same way here. These demons had to appear before Jesus. You remember Job, when Satan had to come and appear before God? He has to check in. And he, before he could do anything to Job, he had to get permission. I keep harping on that, but too many people have it so mixed up and give too much power to the devil. He cannot do any of those things. Only what God allows him to do. Verse 8, he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? Now, almost all the times in the Bible when there's an angel, when a human asks the angel, what is your name? The angel says, I'm not going to tell you, worship God. My name doesn't matter. I love that. What's your name? It's secret. I'm not going to tell you. Worship God. Demons also have names. And in this case, notice what it said. He was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my, look at that personal pronoun, singular. My name is Legion. Now, Legion means many. Uh, In that day, probably because they were occupied by the Romans, a Roman garrison was about 6,000 men. And it was called a legion. 
So if, uh, if someone heard the name or the word legion, they would think, oh, that is a huge number of soldiers. That's a lot. And so Jesus asked, what is your name? And he said, my singular pronoun name is legion for, what's the next personal pronoun? We, and that's plural, are many. You remember when Jesus told the parable about if uh, the, uh, the, there's a demon that is cast out of someone and, and uh, if, that de- if that person does not receive Christ and have the Holy Spirit to change their lives, that demon goes out to and fro, finds uh, more demons like himself and comes back and the last state of that man's worse than the beginning. So actually there can be more demons in one person's life. We don't know how many demons there were, but this one... When Jesus said, what's your name? He has to obey Jesus. Jesus is the boss. And he said, my name, the spokesman for the group, and this isn't Sybil, this isn't six different personalities. These are actual unclean spirits inhabiting a human body. My name is Legion, for we are many. He began to implore him. I want to talk about that word in a moment. Earnestly not to send them out of the country. Why do you think the demons didn't want to leave this place? Evidently, they could get a lot of things done. This, this, was not, this was an area of the Gentiles. They were not God's people. They were not following God. And the demons said, we want to stay here. Now, that is a clue. If the demons want to stay in your neighborhood, you might need to see about your neighborhood. If the demons want to stay in a certain area, a certain country, you might need to check out what's going on. So the demon said, oh, please don't send, he didn't say please, don't send us out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, there's that word again saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Now everybody knows in the Middle East that pigs are unclean. Uh, pork is not eaten by people in the Middle East. Uh, Leviticus eleven seven, God said for the Jews at that time, that they were not to eat that. But remember where I told you we were? We were on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, the Decapolis, 10 cities of the Gentiles. Guess what they re, re, uh, raised to sell to all the Gentiles? Pigs. Uh, they raised that to sell to all those people around there. So they said, at least let us go into the swine. Interesting, the unclean wanted to go into the unclean. It's always the way it is. Jesus gave them, what is that word in your Bible in verse 13? Permission. That's the only way Satan can do anything. Have to get a permission slip from Almighty God. That's something. That's why if you're a believer here tonight, look at these things. Be concerned. Pray for people. Pray for our country. But don't be worried when you go to sleep at night. Because greater is he who's in you and he who's in the world. Open his eyes, the prophet prayed, that he may see. And he went back and looked at the heavenly hosts surrounding the Syrian army. They that be with us are greater than they that be with them. You ever had a big brother come stand up for you? Somebody's picking on you, and then big brother shows up. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I love it. And the, the bullies run away because big brother's there. Well, Jesus is the big brother. And the demons have to flee. So Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the enemy always has to obey Jesus. The unclean spirits entered the swine. The herd rushed down the steep bank in the sea. And about 2,000 of them, they were drowned in the sea. The goal of Satan's crew is always death. 
He might try to promise somebody fame, a relationship, money, power, but it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It is just to kill. Their herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that happened. They came to Jesus, observed that the man who had been demon-possessed, I love this, this is the title of the message, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. Well, if you want a salvation message, that's it. When Jesus comes into the life of someone, we can find them sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in the right mind. Are you that way here tonight? I believe you are. There could be somebody not saved, though. Uh, should you save people be afraid of what we're reading tonight? Not in the least. Should you unpeople be afraid of what we're reading tonight? You ought to be very afraid. Because the only one who can stop this that's greater than this power is our Lord. The herdsmen came and reported it, and it says they found this man sitting clothed in his right mind. Don't you think that was an eye-opener? That's the guy that lived in the tombs that screamed and cut himself, and we couldn't bind him, and everybody tried it. What's he doing now? He's got his clothes on. He's sitting down. He is quiet, and he's sitting. Who is this guy he's sitting in front? Jesus. We've heard about him. What should have been the response of the people? Hallelujah. The Messiah's come. He's going to be able to set the captive free, cast out demons. If he's here, there should have been a great uh, celebration because of what Jesus had done that day. It said they found him, the very man who had had the legion, they became frightened. It ought to have been fearful a little bit when they were seeing the power of Almighty God defeat the demon there. This should have been a great revival. It should have been a great come-to-Jesus meeting where people got saved. They ought to have run to Jesus and said, help me. I may not have a demon, but I got other things. Help me. Will you help my family? It ought to have been a tremendous, glorious time that they gave glory to God. But look what happened. <clears throat> Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him, Jesus, to... Oh, Jesus, won't you stay here? Will you preach in the synagogue next week? I'm going to get my family there. I want them to hear about you. I want to get my... They, there should have been a great movement toward Jesus. And it says they implore him to leave their region. Jesus, get out of here. How could that crowd do that? Well, well they love their money. He's just ruined their pig business. Uh, He's disrupted their town. They're disregarding this man who's been set free, has given a, a whole mind now in his body. He's been set free from these demons. They don't care about the man. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about eternal salvation. They care about themselves. And guys, that's how we can have people in our world today accept every form of sin because men love themselves more than God. As long as we have money, medicine, and meals, people say, leave me alone. And that's where we as a church need to speak louder in love. But we need to say no. We're going to put Jesus first. And we're going to say no to abortion and perverting marriage and corruption in our government. Uh, we need to, uh, those that reject orthodoxy and don't believe the Bible is true. We need to stand. We need to make sure our schools 
uh, are not persecuting and, and forcing God out. And if they do, get your children out of those schools. Uh, America has asked God to leave a lot of places. We've asked him to leave the school. We've asked him to leave our government. We've asked him to leave the womb. And we've asked him actually to leave some churches. Did you know that? When you say, I don't believe this is God's word and it's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, we are asking God to leave. How can people do what they're doing today? How can people swallow uh, having, uh, having a baby and uh, there's some children here, I won't go any further, but you know what it is, even after birth, after birth, decide whether that child lives or not. That's murder and that'll be, that'll be lake of fire full of people that do that. They asked Jesus to leave instead of saying, stay with us. He was getting in the boat. The man who had a demon possessed was imploring him. There's that word. That's a Greek word. We've seen it four times now. That is parakaleo. That man is begging, imploring, can I stay with you, Jesus? Isn't that interesting? The man wants to stay with Jesus. The business people of the town say, Jesus, leave our, leave our town. It's always been that way. People with a good heart want to get close to the church. People are leaving good churches right now. Did you know that? They're leaving them. Well, I believe some of them weren't there at all anyway. We need to run to our church. He, and he did let him, uh, he, he, but he said to him, go home to your people, report to them what great things the Lord's done for you. In other words, Jesus said, he went away proclaiming to Capitalus what great things Jesus had done, and everyone was amazed. Jesus said, no, in this case, you're not going to follow me. I want you to go home to your family and uh, tell them what I've done for you. The man who got saved wanted to be near Jesus and he implored, he begged him. The demons implored Jesus, begged him to go into the unclean animals. And the town implored, begged Jesus to leave them. Leave me alone. I sat with a man one time, came to our church and uh, preached just a salvation message and that Jesus was in control and he demanded our lives to change. And that man afterwards, he literally said this to me. He came up to me and he said, I'm going to go back to my church where Jesus will leave me alone. Whew, scary thing to say. Isn't it? That's a very powerful pas passage in the scripture. And I told you I was going to try to, to stop early. I want to close with a, a short testimony. About 1979, I was pastoring, about to pastor a church. I was a associate assistant pastor for a little while and then I took the place of this man I'm going to tell you about uh, a family started coming to the church and this had been a man of the town brought his family with him and he was just a man of the world but something had happened and he had started coming to church he had found out some people's lives had changed and they weren't the same anymore so he started visiting the church and he wanted to talk with the pastor and elder of our church to about uh, receiving Christ and now, I want to tell you, these are all men I know very, very well. I've talked to them this week. I know them very, very well. So they came. He came to the pastor, the elder, uh, an elder of the church, and, and they told him what he wanted. And so they said, well, let's, we'll pray with you. And they began to pray, and the pastor was leading the prayer. And he said, just pray after me. You can pray a prayer like this. You've got to believe what Jesus said. Confess with your mouth. And so I want to do it. And he said, so repeat after me. And the pastor said, Lord Jesus. And this man said, Lord Satan. The pastor stopped and said, we're going to do it again. He said, repeat after me, Lord Jesus. And the man said, Lord Satan. 
Guys, demonic possession is real. Demonic oppression is real. You don't have to worry about it if you just know and follow Jesus. If you don't know him here tonight or listening online, you get with somebody, you pray, you reach out to him. You don't want to be that man. The pastor was shocked and he said, I'm going to pray a prayer for a moment. And he bowed and he prayed and he said, Dear Jesus, whatever has this man bound, whatever's inside of him, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by the blood that he shed on Calvary, would you free this man of whatever's got a hold of him? In Jesus' name, amen. The pastor said, we're going to pray again. And the man said, here, let me do it. And he said, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sin. And that man is a friend of mine and for several decades now, he has walked with Christ. This is real. It's not just 2,000 years ago. It's right now. And it's in the sound of the hearing of my voice. It's Mark, and would you guys come forward? The hearing of my voice online or here tonight. If you're not sure you're saved, that ought to scare you to death. I'll talk with you. I'll pray with you. I don't care what's going on television. I'll pray with you all night if I need to. Because Jesus is still about setting people free. Young people today have opened up. With social media, we've opened up. Older people too with our televisions. Generation that have never been like this before. We have instant hell anytime with a flip of a switch. And we have seen things that we've never supposed to see with our eyes. We've heard things we're never supposed to hear with our ear. We've experienced things and we've called it entertainment. If you've opened the door to those things and you're afraid here tonight, you come and we'll pray. And the same man that commanded that one who oppressed my friend to leave him, his name's Jesus, can do that for us tonight. Father, would you hear our prayer? You are the boss. You are the supreme power. Greater is he who is in us. That's you, Lord, than he that's in the world. And you set this man free. He was sitting clothed and in his right mind. He's not cutting himself anymore. He's not shrieking in the night. He doesn't have to live in the caves where the dead people live. He is free. And everyone in this room that's a Christian here tonight, we might not have had what this man had inside of us, but we had some kind of sin inside of us. And you set the captive free. You broke the chains. Lord, help us to rejoice and thank you for doing that. Those that are listening online, wherever they're at, in their home, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. But if there are people here tonight that, Lord, they can't confidently know that you're inside of them and you've defeated the enemy, they're afraid right now, would you cause that to cause them to fall on their knees? And beg Jesus to change their life. Sitting, clothed, and in his right man. Glory to God for what he did that day. In Jesus' name, amen.